Welcome to Mighty Buildings Podcast. Each episode features architects, home builders, and industry professionals sharing their experiences, failures, and successes. At the end of each episode, we'll dive into how Mighty Buildings relates to the conversation through our use of 3D printing, robotics, and automation. I'm your host, Sam Rubin, Chief Sustainability Officer and one of the four co-founders here at Mighty Buildings. Today, it's my distinct pleasure to welcome Lindsay Baker, the new CEO of the International Living Future Institute and someone who we're very honored at Mighty Buildings to have on our advisory council. Welcome to the show, Lindsay. Thanks so much for having me, Sam. It's awesome to be here. Yeah, well, it's so wonderful to finally get a chance to sit down and chat with you. Um, you you've had a pretty fascinating uh, journey, um, one that seems to like similarly reflect kind of my idea of what a what a good career should look like, which is that there's no such thing as a career. So it's the idea of like kind of doing cool things until you find the perfect thing, which may not exist. But would I think our viewers would love to love to hear about the kind of the journey that brought you to to where you are as CEO of the ILFI. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I think I have had a pretty good career. I've been really fortunate. Like, so I guess I'll start by saying, when I was a kid, I got into environmental issues and. When I was in high school, I, f- I f- learned about green buildings for the first time. I learned about this whole awesome in high school. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, right. I know. I was pretty young. I was very lucky, um, and I, like I went to kind of a hippie school where that was a topic that you might learn about. Um, and um, and I, uh, you know, coming at it from the angle specifically around. Well, then I guess we didn't talk about it so much as climate change, but we did talk about just energy consumption and pollution and all of those things. I was um, really taken with the idea that by making buildings more efficient, you would make them healthier and they would be better for the environment and everybody kind of wins. And so I got I got into that. I don't know exactly what it was about me as a teenager that made me like really get into green buildings, but I did. And it was um, it was right. So I started getting sort of internships and little jobs and things around the time that LEED was first being conceived of, like it was, LEED Mm -hmm. was coming out into the world. Um, And so I was, um, you know, a really nerdy recent college grad that ended up going and working at the U.S. Green Building Council when LEED was first kind of on its rise. So I I got to know a lot of the people who were engaged in, you know, pushing the world towards green buildings at that time. It was a really incredible time, really, you know, one of those whirlwind moments for a movement for change that not a lot of people get to participate in. And um, so I met a lot of people, made a lot of great connections, ultimately decided I didn't know enough about buildings to really be <laughs> like on the front lines anymore. And so I went back to school. I went to UC Berkeley and did a master's in building science um, at the Center for the Built Environment there. And um, then like I got, I was going to do a PhD uh, focused on public schools and behavior and some stuff. Um, I was a little bit, I, I got a little lonely as PhD people do sometimes. <laughs> you just kind of sit in your apartment trying to write a dissertation. And I got a, uh, someone reached out about a, what was supposed to be like a part-time job working for Google's real estate team on sustainability mm-hmm. stuff. And they, uh, so I applied, got excited about it. And then they were like, oh yeah, actually it's full-time. And so I abandoned my, um, my PhD and went to work at Google. Um, I was actually not there for too long. It was awesome, but I, I met a couple of people who um, um, had basically built a prototype for controlling buildings, heating, and cooling, 
and they wanted to build mm -hmm. it into a, like a good old fashioned Silicon Valley venture backed startup. Uh, <laughs> so I, with no desire to be an entrepreneur and no understanding of what like this whole world of tech companies looked like, I left and, um, and became a member of the founding team of this uh, software company, which is now called Comfy. Um, it was acquired in 2018 by Siemens. Um, I always get that date wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's 2018. Uh, so yeah, we grew it. We had like, you know, a little bit of the journey that I'm sure you're on Sam and, you know, getting an idea out into the world for the first time and figuring out how to talk about it and figuring out how to sell it and figuring out what to do first and all of that. It was really exhilarating and crazy. Um, yep, and that so sounds I about said, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so then I was like, Hey, if exhilarating and crazy is my thing, I'm going to go to WeWork. Uh, <laughs> and I, and I, uh, I took on a really incredible role to start WeWork's sustainability program globally um, and uh, awesome. joined that organization, built out a team, and we were cranking, doing all sorts of really cool things. And then, uh, unfortunately, WeWork uh, took a turn and uh, a lot of folks were laid off, including me and my team. Um, so I've just been, I'd been like kind of tinkering and teaching and consulting over the course of the pandemic. and. I then uh, heard about the ILFI job and it's, it's, it's so International Living Future Institute, for those of you that don't know, we're a nonprofit and we work in the building industry primarily around pushing for um, really a visionary uh, sense of what the built world will feel like um, and trying to help people along that path. So we have a program called the Living Building Challenge, um, which is really a very high standard for what buildings can mm -hmm. feel like. Um, sorry, a high standard for building sustainability, social impact, environmental impact, et cetera, and all, all of those things. So, so kind of like lead health. on steroids, lead, but broader? <laughs> lead, lead, lead on steroids. I'm trying to think like how would we define it? <laughs> There's all sorts of got that social impact. You got all the kind of because you guys bring in a lot of things in the conversation that aren't necessarily yeah. as as front and center as they are. Um, yeah, yeah, as they exactly. are with you guys, so. yeah, yeah. So, so it's it's been a great fit for me as an organization in part because I've always been looking for sort of these disproportionate levers for change for the building industry. Mm -hmm. That's my that's my thing. I I like thinking about those types of scale opportunities. And I also just feel like we don't have much time to compromise. And so I love working in an organization that has kind of had a legacy of saying like, hey, we're not going to tell you what the sort of um, easy first step is along the journey. We're going to tell you what the outcome of the journey is going to look like. Yeah. <laughs> and just, just so you know, this is where we're headed and uh, we're here to help you get there. But it's a little bit less about the baby step model. And a little mm -hmm. bit more like, you know, in the tech world, you're probably familiar with this whole 10x concept that people in the Google world say, which is that sometimes it's the same amount of effort to get 10x change that it is to get 1x change. And so why yeah. not go for the 10x change <laughs> to see what we can do to really shift things faster? So that's that's kind of why, uh, yeah, why that's... I did. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, yeah, because one of the things when I was doing sustainability coaching and consulting before in Mighty Buildings, love to, like talking about moonshots. And, and like yeah. you say, with like it's sometimes just as much effort to get 10x as 1x. And it's kind of like the idea, well, you shoot from the moon. Even if you miss, you're way up there. Exactly. Like, it's like go big or go home. Because if you're just going to go small, you're never, it's just going to be incremental and we don't have time for incremental. Yeah, yeah. We hear that all the time from projects that, that pursue the Living Building Challenge. It's like, 
just the things that never would have happened if they hadn't asked these big questions of themselves. Um, you know, if you'd just been saying like, oh, how could we kind of improve this building slightly and its impact on the world? Or how could we do, you know, just kind of make a little tweak here and there. But if you actually say like, what would it look like if we fundamentally changed our relationship to the world around us, then yeah, it turns out you get really cool places. Surprise, yeah, well, I mean, and it's funny because like that's one of those things that you've seen like systems thinking and design thinking and like all the whole idea of like how might we and it's like because it kind of creates that generous space and it's like well if we start where we want to be and look backwards let's see like yeah no that's that's wonderful because I imagine it puts people in this incredible position like like we were talking before we start here this idea of being in a generative space um, yeah and really kind of if there were no barriers what what would you do yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, you know, for the built world, it, we're actually we're pretty lucky that we have people like architects around. I don't know if you feel this way, but the, there are some people in the building industry. Sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> okay, sometimes. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Um, if you've ever heard my podcast, I sort of feel bad that I don't actually I like I, I sometimes talk down the sort of there's a culture of architecture that can be very problematic. There's a lot of ego there. But the yeah. flip side of that coin. But some amazing, brilliant, creative thinkers. Yeah, right. Like totally outside the box, thinking about the future, believe it's their job to push people like it's really it's, so that part is cool. And we really benefit from that, that spirit in the community um, that we have. So, yeah, I, I, I love that part. And I definitely believe that um, I don't know, the building industry has a great potential to reinvent itself all the time. Um, and it's sort of 100 percent, you know. I mean, and I don't know about you, but and maybe this is just like the the building community spaces I find myself in, but it feels like there's there's a shift, like there's starting to be an embrace. And maybe it's a new generation of leaders in the industry. Um, maybe it's just kind of the realities of what we're seeing with supply chain and just demand and lack of productivity and everything. But it seems there's a new, like a newfound willingness to embrace new technologies in a way that I've never seen before. Um, I don't yeah. know if you're seeing the same thing, but... Yeah, I think it's maybe coming from a couple different directions. I think one is that the technology world has sufficiently started to sort of disrupt the physical world in a way that is more profound than it used to be. You know, I think people can kind of get their heads around the idea that technology mm -hmm. is going to change something like an industry like real estate that just seems so kind of entrenched or construction that seems so entrenched. Um, it's just there are lots of ways that 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 is changing for us, that we're actually witnessing our, our physical world change based on the emergence of technology. And then I think the other thing, I know you care about this, is that there's a greater willingness these days, especially in the US, to admit that the system doesn't work that we've built for ourselves. And, yeah. and I think that's part of the problem is, I, I feel like five years ago, most people would have vouched for the status quo of the building industry. Most people would say, like, this is probably what we should be doing. But but in part because of, I think, more awareness and awakenings around the country about the inequality that we're all living mm -hmm. with um, yeah. and, that, you know, is affecting so many people's lives and health like that, I think, tells us that what we have now is not a system worth preserving, you know, yeah. so that's important. Yeah, that's, that's actually one of the reasons I, I secretly hate, well, not so secretly, I say it almost every, almost every podcast, but don't like the word sustainability, because the status quo yeah. is not sustainable. Like, if we get to, like, resilience, regeneration, 100%. Um, but sustainability, it's like, let's let's get somewhere worth sustaining first. 
I know. Yeah, it's I know it's too bad about that term. Uh, it's it's not the best term. I wish we had a few more speaking of creatives, some people around to help us name some things that I'm still struggling to come up with a new term. You know, we use this term green building all the time mm -hmm. to describe a group of professionals that are out there in the world. And there's hundreds of thousands of them and we know who they are. But we don't really have a great term to describe um, the professionals out there that care not just about the environmental impact of buildings and the built environment, but also the health impacts mm -hmm. and the social impacts. Like those three things, you don't have to think about it necessarily. It's not like a triple bottom line exactly, but it's three things that really sort of. matter. It's, well, it's kind of thinking about like approaching it from a systems perspective. It is definitely a systems perspective. And it's acknowledging that those three things are very intersectional and that, you know, if we're yeah. fighting for health, we're probably also fighting for environmental work and we're, you know, same thing with uh, social justice and racial equity issues. Like we're mm -hmm. probably going to be tackling the same stuff, but we don't have a term for it and it drives me crazy. So, you know, to the intersectional builders, I don't know. Intersectional builders. Because <laughs> I mean, because I agree, like I think the built environment when it, comes, it is such a powerful lever because it exists at that that nexus point of so many different huge intractable problems that if we can get the built environment right, it makes so yeah. many other things easier um, yeah. or at least begins to move the needle in ways that you just can't with most sectors. Or yeah, like there's, yeah. there's, or with built like individual things. So. Exactly. Well, and I, you know, I get, I get a little bit frustrated. I think sometimes, especially like these days, um, many of us, I think, in the building industry, are a little frustrated that buildings don't get more attention in like the set of people talking about climate policy or the yeah. set of people talking about workforce policy. You know. And um, at, like we were talking, I was joking around with someone the other day about just having a campaign that's sort of like us desperately raising our hands in the corner and saying like, we can help with all of these things. Like we can put millions of people to work and also we can save an enormous amount of carbon. And also we can improve the health of so many people, like all this stuff. Like and quality of life and economic possibilities and yeah. for like deal, deal with the homeless like, situation, like ensure yeah. like, children have roofs over their head. Yeah, like there's we're so really, many things. Like, we're, we're ready to go, but sometimes these systemic societal problems get discussed more from the frame, you know, like if you talk about climate change, you're gonna talk about solar panels and you're not necessarily gonna talk about insulation. And, you know, like that, that, that I just think is a, it's a failure of us to market ourselves in a way to the rest of the world to say like well, buildings, really important. I, I think it's starting to change. I mean, I was just, there was, uh, I mean, a little bit, I was on a, a webinar today. It was a, one of the John's Burn, John Burns webinars, and they were talking about sustainability and healthy buildings. And it was fascinating because they're talking about sustainability, but it was in the context of healthy buildings. And so I kept asking low questions like, so what are you equating these things? What are your metrics? And like, it's fascinating. So the conversation seems like it's getting there, but it's like people are still figuring out what that should look like. <laughs> yeah, I know. Exactly. It's, it's, it's baffling. It totally is. And I mean, I think, it, yeah, many people appreciate this and understand it, but I just, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm always interested in ways that we can, um, tell our stories better about just how impactful buildings are in every facet of every facet of society, every facet of our lives, all of that. It's, it's profound what we can do, you know? Yeah. And yeah. it's profound. I mean, again, think when you think about it, I mean, how many, what percentage of our lives do we, do most people spend in buildings? 90, 95%. Yeah, some, I mean, exactly. you know, it depends like, on the person. <laughs> well, that's why I said some people. 
exactly. Unfortunately, I'm one of those unlucky ones who are stuck in, yeah. with, in, inside most Good for days. you if you're more at 80% somewhere out there. But that's Yeah, it's probably more like 99. Unless, <laughs> except for like the when I do it like I did this weekend and get offline and go out in the mountains or something. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, this is why I'm, I'm very kitted out in my apartment. I got my air quality sensor in here. I want to know, you know, like I got to, at least I got to do my best to have the inside feel like the outside. If yeah, I got my air purifier going, I can check it from wherever I am, see what the air quality is in my apartment anytime. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. natural light, important, got to have it, etc. Yep. Yeah. yep, like lucky that I've got, especially in the afternoon, get amazing like afternoon light just fills the apartment. So yeah, yeah. Good morning light yeah. Through, the, through the windows on. Well, when morning, when the sun comes up before I'm awake, um, or after yeah. I, I get sunlight through the uh, my bedroom window. But good, good. Got to got to have your priorities straight. But yeah, I mean it matters, right? I don't know. It's just to say. I think that I think these issues of of shelter and what we provide people and how that becomes an equity issue, et cetera. It's is they're all really they're all really profound and we have yeah. pretty unique ability these days to fix those problems, especially if we're trying to put a lot of people to work out there, if we're trying to, you know, stimulate the economy, all of that stuff. Yep. Like we, we have great opportunities for, for doing that work in a way that impacts people, you know, hundred percent something. One of the things that's been on my mind recently, um, it's kind of, that kind of really exemplifies that intersection is like how the impact of the disproportionate impact of Hurricane Katrina and, Katrina yeah. I, is we got went down to, with the red there uh, with the Red Cross for a little bit afterwards and really yeah. was helping out, but just to see firsthand how the poor neighborhoods decimated, rich neighborhoods more or less did okay. Not all of them. I mean, there's some of them that they just were were equally. But I was just reminded of it recently. I was listening to an NPR story about um, some of those parishes outside of New Orleans that are got even hit worse by Ida because of the protections that they created of the dike system and the levees for New yeah. Orleans and the pump stations. Yeah. Um, and kind of like the fat the thinking it's like so it's like you knew that someone was getting it's, it's like and you're hearing the public sector people being like well we had it's like we, we had to figure out how do we how do we do the most good for the most people but at the same yeah. time who who is it that's almost always that the not the most people it generally is poor people it's generally working class generally people of color generally marginalized historically marginalized communities because they don't have a voice in the room so no one's even thinking about them yeah and i think i think the built environment is also a really good example of what that looks like to this sort of unconscious bias and structural mm -hmm. racism issues that come along with um these types of efforts so around you know so like resilience is a great example um that p many people look at a situation like katrina and they say okay well we're going to fortify wherever we can and fortification as a project if it's a market-based fortification type of situation you know private companies yeah. fortifying their own buildings um, it, it, it's not just that, um, you have that inequality, it's that it literally impacts the neighbors. Yeah. It's that it literally pours the water into the neighbor's house. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, and, and built environments can be that way in a way that's really, really visible. And I think you'd think we would have gotten a little better by now about understanding that, um, you know, it, you know, there's also sort of issues of stranded assets with electrification, right? Yep. If we electrify a bunch of the wealthier buildings and homes, uh, because we know that that is where they need to get to, but we don't spend an equal amount of, you know, investment in electrifying uh, low-income homes, homes that are in the front lines of uh, environmental destruction that's caused by climate, the fossil fuel industry, yeah. all of that stuff then you're you're literally gonna those folks are gonna pay more for their natural yeah. gas right so like it's very it's a very literal 
um, problem that we should be pretty attentive to in the building industry to say every time we improve uh, a sort of a market rate building, every time we try to do something to to you know get towards a higher goal, um, we should be wondering what that might do to the build, right. to the what, building. What are the unintended? What are the potential consequences, intended yeah. or otherwise? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's important. It's one it's one of the reasons I'm I'm particularly passionate. I think uh, for ILFI, we're going to try to start doing more policy work and really awesome. engaging with that question of how do we get living buildings for everyone, not just those yeah. that can afford it. Um, it's a, it's a huge priority for us. We've we've done some cool work around affordable housing, which I think you know a little bit about. Um, but uh, you know, um, there's a long way to go, and I'm. I'm pretty motivated. I mean, I'm that's super that's awesome, and I'm very excited for having like having a conversation because there's some things, yeah, uh, out of time, unfortunately. Yes. But this this, <laughs> this as I say, I think I say this to every guest, but I can't wait to do this again because Great. it's that uh, we could talk for. I mean, we literally got through a third of maybe a fifth of what we were going to talk about. So. <laughs> again, my, I'm Sam Rubin, Chief Sustainability Officer at Mighty Buildings. It's been my distinct pleasure to have Lindsay Baker. CEO of the International Living Futures Institute as our guest today. And uh, Lindsay, before we send the view, uh, listeners off, where can they find out more about the ILFI? Yeah, uh, living-future.org is our website. Uh, you can just Google International Living Future Institute if you want to find out more. Um, but yeah, we'd, we'd love to have you. We're, we're, on, a, we're on, a, you know, on a tear to change the building industry. So please join us. Awesome. Well, so such a pleasure to have you on the podcast and so incredible to, uh, to be working with you as a member of our advisory council. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.